I grew up in a small valley in the Black Hills of Southwest Washington. And as you probably know, when something happens in a small valley, word travels fast. That was true in Lewis County where I grew up, and it's true here in the Skagit Valley. And it was true uh, for a Ponzi scheme called the Winner's Circle that flashed through Lewis County in the early 90s. Several prominent community members were drawn in, and a local church even hosted informational meetings in their building for this thing. My brother, a teenager at the time, wanted to invest his money from his, uh, his summer lawn care business that he and his best friend had called Green and Clean, but my parents forbade it. As you might guess, the bottom dropped out quickly, as it always does. Many lost thousands and were understandably angry. The rumors and gossip filled our small valley, and the man who had spearheaded the effort and unwittingly cheated dozens suffered a stroke from the stress. Although they seem crazy, Ponzi schemes often work for a time. They work because of a combination of hope and relationship. Folk uh, in the early 90s in Lewis County, uh, where I lived, would not have given their money toward it had they not seen a trusted friend or neighbor do the same and invite them with the hope and promise of their friend or neighbor's experience. That's how these things work. Jesus invites people into the way in a similar fashion. I'm not saying Christianity is a Ponzi scheme. Really, it's more akin to multi-level marketing. But whatever label you want to give it, the good news gets distributed through hope and relationship. Unlike a Ponzi scheme, the good news does not go bankrupt and leave people bereft. But it continues to grow and expand asking not that folk would make an investment that will never be returned, but instead invite folks to just come and see for themselves and watch as their lives take on new meaning. Life in Christ is as much a relational and physical experience as it is a spiritual one. It encompasses every part of us. That is why God in Jesus was embodied and earthbound, to show us beyond a shadow of a doubt that our every atom can be reached by God's love. This is a game changer for humanity and the entire created world. For from the first moment of suffering in the universe, the question, why, has reverberated. Everything and person has an expiration date, and pain and grief is as much a part of the living condition as breathing and eating. For millennia, the holy ones have answered this why with a promise of a new day for hope and love. Now, holy ones, we know from reading the Bible and from our experience in, in living in Christian community, are not perfect by any means. But these are the ones that recognize that we are connected and that there is a deeper meaning and dedicate themselves to that promise, to proclaiming it, to inviting others into a new day. For us as Lutherans, we read this, this, this pain and suffering throughout history through a Christological lens. We see the promises and we think Jesus. We see suffering and death and pain and we think resurrection. And this good news, as it is properly minted, 
is not perfectly housed in a single theology or idea or denomination, and it is not constricted to a book or creed or a hymn, and it is not only experienced within the confines of a place built by human hands with a spire on top, however beautiful they are, it is bigger even than our imaginations can fathom and more powerful than we've ever seen. And the how of this good news that is so big our imaginations cannot fathom it is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. He embodies grace and invites us to do the same. And the good news did not stop when Jesus ascended into heaven. It is not a finite thing. The good news is alive. The good news is growing and changing everything alive is. Put a glass of water on your counter and look at a drop under a microscope, microscope. And then do it again a week later. Although the glass will look no different to your naked eye, once you look closer, you will see growth and change in that transparent liquid. Amazingly, there's been studies that show that if you talk nicely to a glass of water, it will create less bacteria than if you speak meanly to it. <laughs> Amazing. But this living, growing good news invites us this morning, as the first disciples were invited by Jesus, to just come and see. The text does not specify exactly what the disciples saw, right? Only that they began to spend time with Jesus. And it says, they spent time with him until 4 p.m. the next day. <laughs> okay. They hung out. They slowed down. And they started to get affected by the different way that Jesus walked in the world. They were affected by the way that Jesus did not play by the rules. How he gave freedom, free healing to all, regardless of who they are or who they were, where they were from. How he demonstrated that the way of the kingdom is a way of equality and inclusion. They were shocked by who he hung out with. How he had zero regard for his own reputation and treated garbage people like tax collectors, prostitutes, and adulterers like friends. They were compelled by the way Jesus paid attention to those everyone else ignored and ignored who everyone else clamored to please. They came and they saw something vastly different in Jesus that was offered anywhere else. And I like to think that beyond that, they were probably in awe of the way that Jesus just existed in the world. Can you imagine how God made flesh would just walk through the world. I like to think that Jesus stopped and breathed deeply when he passed a fragrant flower or a bakery. That he never missed an opportunity to like grab a little chubby toe off a baby and just say hi. That he had kind eyes. That he could stay up until 1 a.m. with one of his disciples and make them feel like they were the only person alive. That's how I feel about Jesus, and I'm just some woman who was born two millennia after he was. That is the gift that piety and devotion to the way of Jesus has given me, and I know it is given to some of you. An intense connection to all beauty in life, knowing that, that it's all a gift from God. A piercing pain for the suffering of others that is woven miraculously with supernatural hope. A relationship with people that I would have never known before save for this common way. 
we experience this love and presence all over. And at the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is not an idea, but a physical reality. A gathering with siblings in Christ, a promise that is material, an action of receiving, chewing, swallowing, we experience in this holy now the grace and love of God, beckoned by the one who has invited us to come and see. Tomorrow, we remember the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Jr.? That's a tongue twister. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. through a federal holiday. Kids will get off school. The banks will be closed. No one is going to pick up the garbage. We get a day off. And we will remember the particular way that Dr. King followed Jesus. How he walked in the way of Christ. He was an extraordinary example and like Jesus, he was hated and plotted against for daring to declare the equality of all people for daring to invite people to come and see the good news. We like to romanticize Dr. King and Jesus and others, thinking about how great they were and not paying attention to the fact that they continually provoked those in power to murder. They both ended up the same way, murdered by the powers that be. But this, too, is the way of Jesus. We are invited over and over again through the lives of the saints to come and see and continue to emulate Jesus in his life of service, sacrifice, beauty, healing, inclusion, and joy. I don't think that any of us will be as prolific or as powerful as Dr. King at this, but we can make a mark where we are. Recently, I read a beautiful obituary. It was written by the deceased, His name was Ken Fusen, and he was a journalist who knew he was dying of cancer, so he wrote his own obituary. It was hilarious. It was heartfelt. It was self-depreciating. He wrote of his journalism awards in the same sentence as his addiction to gambling and all the money that he probably owed people still. He wrote of his family and his foibles. He also wrote about his church, an ELCA church called Lutheran Church of Hope. He wrote, if you want to know what God's love feels like, Just walk in those doors. Seriously, right now. We'll wait. Ken is not going anywhere. (laughs) He knew he was dying, and as he wrote his own obituary, he, in the spirit of God in him, was still proclaiming, come and see. That's what the goodness and grace of God does in us. It transforms us, and then we can't help but proclaim it with our lives. We can't help but stand up for justice. We can't help but love people. We can't help but have kindness in our eyes towards all of God's children. Ken wasn't perfect, and there will never be a federal holiday to honor his life, but full of mistakes and and success, interlaced with grace, he is an inspiration to us, imperfect as we are. If we're here, chances are we have seen and been affected and been ruined for the world by the love and grace of God. We came, we saw, we got fed at the Lord's table, and then we ate cookies at coffee hour and kept coming back. If you have experienced this, invite your friends to do the same. Not trying to save or or manipulate anyone. It may never include coming to church. But by simply seeing the beauty in them and in all of creation, and listening to them, by being yourself, 
being who God made you to be, by stopping to smell a bakery or a flower or pointing out a sunset or paying attention to a baby, by smiling in your eyes, by denying the culture of dominance and living in the ways of God, by fighting racism and all kinds of systemic oppression with the strength that you have been given, by paying attention. Do not worry about your ability or your own strength. God gifts energy and strength to do the work of the good news. It is, after all, has life of its own. Come and see. Amen. Let's